0: Welcome back, everyone, to episode 23 of Show and Tell. It's just my small adventure highlighting the creators and contributors to the Magic of the Gathering community. Uh, Today, I am thrilled to be joined by uh, MTG Ambassador, YouTuber, streamer, podcaster, CAG member. I could go on for days. Uh, Power Dragon, Power Dragon, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Oh, no problem, man. It's always good to be on and talk to other people who may not even have an idea who I am, even with all those things that I do. So. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I, you know what? It's, you, it's, it's almost feel like you'd be hard-pressed not to, not to be aware because you have your hands in so many different projects. It's, uh, it, for someone who can barely keep this one kind of show together, it's pretty impressive, I, I will say.
1: <laughs> you know, though, I, like, I think it's easy to feel that way, though, when we're engaged all the time, right? Like, mm-hmm. we kind of look and go, well, everybody knows who this is, right? But when I literally travel the country and go to game stores and go to commander tables, they don't even know what a game night's is. Right, yes. you know, and yes. that's the one of the biggest channels we have in Magic, right? You'll talk about the professor and they're like, Professor who? And you're like, yeah. Oh, with the YouTube channel. And they're like, What's YouTube channel? You know. So you'd be surprised. Even those of us that are very active and out there, we're not even close to being household names. Hell, Mr. Beast, who's the biggest thing going on YouTube, there's still people don't know who he is, you know, and yeah. his average viewership on a video, I think, now is like a hundred million views or something. So it's kind of crazy.
0: Yeah that is wild. Yeah, it's it's definitely um a world to think about like we can get caught up on like, you know, the people talk about like magic twitter and like the discourse and stuff, and it's a very insulated kind of uh world sometimes cuz whatever's kind of going on there isn't necessarily isn't necessarily representative of the of magic gaming as a whole, um which I think a lot of people sometimes forget uh and it's uh Yeah,
1: I think you know, I guess it was Pete Hoffling, the owner of of Star City, like in the middle of pandemic, he did some interview, and he basically said, "Well, Twitter's not real, so it doesn't matter, yeah. right And people got super mad about it, but it's like he's not wrong, you know like I mean, yep. it might make some of us feel insignificant, but he's not wrong because again, let something be blowing up on Twitter, go to some store you never go hang out at. Go start talking to people about the discourse, and they'll just look at you and be like, well, why are people mad about that? And then you have to explain this whole thing, right? Because they just don't know what's even happening.
0: Yep. I think there's a famous, well, Twitter famous, right, from uh, Mark Rosewater on his blog about like some people don't even know what a planeswalker is outside of like the really tight-knit, you know what I mean? Like there's there's players who don't realize like what a planeswalker is um, who play the game.
1: The easiest way to explain the disconnect is understand that there are people that, Never have and never will go to a local game store. Yeah, not for any particular reason. They just don't know a reason to go there. For whatever reason, they'll they'll go online. They won't go look up places to go buy magic. They just go to Walmart, Target, whatever. Right. So no matter what you think about a set or the value of cards or whatever, those people are still out there just buying at bid boss stores. Yep. And we look at that and go, "Why would you do that? The packs are always more expensive, and you don't know if they've been tampered with." But that's all they know. Yeah. Right, even with all the information that's out there in our pockets on cell phones, that's still all they know.
0: Yep, that is that is very true. Um, I mean, I already dropping knowledge bombs. Is, this is great. Um, so usually, going to have my guests on. Uh, I like to start at the beginning with their magic career. So why don't you talk to me about uh, when you started playing magic and when, what got you into playing?
1: Oh man, as a friend of mine says, when the rocks were soft, um, <laughs> you know. Uh, Realistically, it was just it was probably sometime between ninety four and ninety five when I picked it up, yeah. and so like a year or two after Magic had started, and it was on a field trip. We stopped in a store. I asked the guy like, "What is this about?" And he says, "Oh, it's like D anD D and cards and what." I'm like, "Okay, fantasy cards sound cool, and mm-hmm. it's some type of game." And I was like, "Okay, well, what should I buy?" And looking at the shelf, dead serious, there was Revised and Unlimited, and he's saying, "Well, Revised has cards from this other set called like Arabian Nights, and from this other thing." And I'm like, "Okay, well, I guess that's the one I want." You know, <laughs> yeah. Who knew it was going to be like a thousand dollar decision way back when? But yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, like, but yeah, so I pick those up. I take them home. Don't even have anybody to play with. After reading through the rules, I'm just like, "Well, I needed a second deck. Well, this sucks." Yeah. <laughs> so I literally just toss it away for a few days. And coincidentally, a friend of mine had went to visit his brother for the weekend. And he comes back, and he's telling me, like, this game his brother taught him. And as he's describing it, I'm like, hey, is it called Magic? And he's like, yeah. How'd you know? And I'm like, oh, I have some of those at home. So we went by my place. And his brother gave given him one of his starter decks. And we literally just played starter deck Magic for, I don't know, probably like four hours oh, with gosh. just junky starter decks.
0: Yeah. I mean, gosh, sometimes, especially back in back in the day, because, you know, I'm a, I am ai started playing... Probably ninety eight around the Urza's block series, and it was kind of like Magic was had been around, but like those start, you know, you just get like a starter deck, and it's like a theme deck, and you just kind of sit down with your friends, and you know, the joke you're playing on that, can we're playing on the sidewalk without sleeves. Like it's kind of a meme at yeah. this point, but that's what we did. Like we did, you know, you're not thinking about like you knew, you kind of knew, oh yeah, like the Black Lotus is like a really expensive card, but like back then, like really expensive was like six hundred dollars, right? Which is not an insignificant amount of money, but it's not really like the. You know, tens of thousands of dollars that they kind of go for now. There was
1: actually a long point in time in the beginning where shivan dragons were worth more than moxes.
0: Yeah, well, because like, everyone true wanted. Story. Yeah, <laughs> they wanted the big. You wanted you wanted the big creatures that could fly. I don't think really, people really understood. Maybe had a you know, I don't know what the competitive scene was like when it first came out, but maybe the ideas of, of ramping and. Um, You know, that kind of uh, strategy hadn't really taken off like we think about it now with, like, mana Rocks and, like, the importance of the game. Oh, yeah, the way we
1: play Magic now is way different. One of the best things I tell people is if you can find the footage, go to the first World Championships. Or actually the first World the first Pro Tour. Because they had this weird rule where you had to play, I don't remember, maybe, like, five cards from each standard legal set or something had to be in your deck. It it was a very weird thing, but, you know, something to just make it different and competitive at the time. And if you watch the way they play, they are playing very differently. Like, they're making some plays that are more conservative. They're holding on the cards for certain things they think their opponents might be playing. Mm-hmm. But it's so early in the life of Magic. I mean, you're talking literally, was that, like, 28 years ago, 29 years ago at this point? Gosh, right? Yeah. <laughs> it just plays so differently. And I don't think people really understand that, like, you go back and watch. You're like, these guys are terrible. And you're like, but it's just kind of what they knew at the time. And... That applies to everything. If you watch how basketballs evolved, or how football or soccer, like their strategies, even for substitutions and other things that they've just figured out over the years that are just better. But you'll watch old footage and go like, "Why are they doing that? Why is this other guy not in the game? Why is it?" You know, it's because like things were just different. You know, our knowledge is
0: different. Even you think about you know talk about basketball, right? Even now, if you look between how basketball is played now versus when like you know the Jordan to kind of Kobe Duncan era, you know you you have your shooting guard. And you have like a big guy. Now everyone just shoots threes, right? There's, they they looked at the statistics, like, oh yeah, well you're better off shooting a bunch of threes because they're worth more than a, just a two. And you know you have someone like Steph Curry who changes the game, and everyone's a three. You know if you can't shoot the well, three ball, you're... it's also
1: different in different areas, right? Because yeah. European basketball is still played with a lot of bigs, so you have yeah. much more fundamentally sound footwork bigs that you don't necessarily have here in the states yeah. anymore because the way the games have developed are just different.
0: Yeah. It's uh, It's crazy how just how how things can shift just over the course of a few years in any real kind of competitive, you know, be it sport or, or a game. Because like, you know, it's just it's, it's like this thing where you kind of you develop a meta and you develop strategies, and then people develop a counter strategy or you know different kind of um, ways. Just like local areas, kind of like how they play the game, kind of works out. Um, I think even Mark what Mark Rosewater talks about before. I think he even worked for Magic. Like there was like you know you played in your area. There was no internet, so like everyone kind of played a particular way, and you'd go and go to this other city and play, and like oh they all play like with flyers or they have you know it's just like these little kind of things. Now we kind of take for granted where it's like well what's the it's uh, going well, even to crazier those-
1: is. There would almost you could almost see a lineage of how people learn to play because if somebody played the game incorrectly, Mm -hmm. then this whole group of people played incorrectly, right? Because they all learn from the same source, and then they're like mind blown when you explain to them how something works.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's that's yeah that is that's pretty funny, especially when it's you know coming you know someone who came from playing like um, Sidewalk Magic. I went to college and I met a guy. You know, I I met some people who played, and we were playing in like. I definitely got a. I always joke I minored in magic in college, like how to play. My friend basically like taught me how the stack kind of worked. I'm like, oh, this is, this is not how we played back in the day. Like one of my friends back in high school, but it's really cool. But like, oh, okay, I understand. And then I went back when I went back and met my friends from high school who played. I'm like, okay, I've been to, the, I've seen, I've seen the promised land. Let me tell you how this actually works. And it's like, oh, really? Like we did, you know? Because you kind of guess them, like yeah, pre pre internet times, you kind of just guess how stuff works. Right? We're like, well, I think it works like this. You know, maybe it makes sense.
1: But, and, uh, you know, like you're saying, there is a lot to be said about the local metas as well, right? You can yep. go to one store and if everybody's, a, you know, if your best players are all control players, well, that's the thing everybody plays or is worried about, right? Yep. But you go to the next store and it's like a bunch of mono-red and gruel players. And it's like, okay, well, this deck's trash now because all the stuff I have to do with the control players doesn't do anything, right? Yep. So even yep. that can affect things on how good or bad something is. So mm. it's it's really interesting how many small, like, micro communities you can get. Even just around one country, not even just around the world.
0: Yep, yep, definitely. Um, okay, so ninety four, ninety five. So you've definitely been playing for a while. Uh, have you been playing pretty consistently since then? Is that a, you know? I know, yeah, kind of- for sure.
1: I mean, I was always playing some level, even if you know, even when I was running a store and doing other stuff, I was still playing local cash events. You know, I was fortunate enough to play a couple of pro tours. I got to play nationals once. Oh, wow! Uh, didn't do great in any of them. <laughs> but I got to play them. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: that's more than a lot of people, I think, could say. Like, even play competitively, you know?
1: Yeah, but even even through that, like I said, it, there was a point where I just didn't play a lot of pro tours, even though I was qualified on the old system on ranking. Mm-hmm. It was just a matter of like I had business stuff to do, and doing these business things was going to make money, or I was going to risk money going and traveling. Yeah. So it's just like it didn't make sense. Yeah. So I would mostly just play regional stuff that was easy to get to, a couple hour drive or something. You know, maybe if Star City was in the area, do well, finish top sixteen, top thirty-two, make a couple hundred dollars, go home. You know, like yeah. there was there was a lot of those things, but yeah, I've, I've played pretty consistently through the whole thing, and you know, recently now I play practically every day because I'm making content. So
0: yeah, definitely, um, it's actually, and that's I almost say that's one of the most impressive things is someone like I would take pretty big breaks. You know, I would play. And then I would probably not play for a few years. And then so either I'd meet someone who's like, Oh, do you play Magic? Like, yeah, I play all the time and then kind of get back into it. Or, you know, I remember uh, for this current run of Magic times for me, uh, right when Dominaria came out, and it was very nostalgic and it was like, a, you know, the set was, the set itself was great. Um, but these things kind of bring you back in, or you can't, you know, you go to your card shop or a comic book store and you're like, Oh, what set is that? That looks kind of cool. And uh, it kind of like lures you back in. But, uh, there's some things I
1: tell people. The first thing is that, like, most people don't really quit magic. You just go on hiatus. Yeah. Like, for some amount of time. Yeah. The other is when people decide to quit magic and they would want to sell their stuff, I'd always ask them why. Because yeah. a lot of people are like, oh, well, the game is dying or nobody plays anymore or whatever. And again, it's the idea of, well, their friends are quitting, so then no, the game's dying. Nobody plays, right? Yeah. So I would always tell people, then hold it, right? Unless you have a good reason. Like, maybe you're selling it because you need the money for a car or something or whatever. Yeah. But... Otherwise, I would tell people hold their collections for one year, and if at no point during that year you don't think about building a deck, organizing your cards, going and playing a draft, whatever, then sell them. I said, but if you have that thought at any point, reset your clock.
2: Yep. <laughs> yep. No, and sense. the
1: number of people that were so glad I told them that, like, it, it's got to be by a hundred people by now
0: oh for sure especially i mean i can imagine um, with the rise of uh, you know edh/commander uh, for a lot of people who've been, who have like old collections it's like oh like there's a format where i can use all these old cards and it's kind of like you know there's there's a card which may have been a bulk rare back in the day is now a powerhouse just because of you know the way the format sort of works like you're glad you still have it, you know and not have to go back and rebuy a bunch of these old old cards that you used to have so um, definitely wise advice if, if you are thinking about chucking in your collection. It's like you just sit on it for a little bit because there's probably something that'll bring you back in. Hmm. Um. So you made mention about running a game store. I know we kind of talked about it before, uh, which super interesting to me to hear. Like, what was your experience? Like, how long did you run a game store for? Like, what was that like? Or what was it? Uh... Was
1: all about sixteen years, that I did. Oh wow. Okay. That's yes. A, that's a long it was a wow. I basically <laughs> silly story, but I took over a store at twenty one basically oh, is the, okay. the deal uh, i was working for another guy who had it he got a job offer from one of the industry's bigger distributors and needed to do something with the store so me and the other guy who worked for him he was just like one day saying like hey i need to sell the store i need to close it and y'all are the first choice or whatever and realistically i had no money i mean i'm i'm literally just turned 21 a couple months prior so it's like what am i doing you know yeah but my logic was if it fails i have nothing and i have nothing now so i actually constructed a deal we talked about it and i bought a store effectively with no money down okay and two hundred dollars in the bank <laughs> all right well, <laughs> that, there you go that that was the deal and it was a small store i mean we grew it over time and it was, things were good but yeah yeah it wasn't like i was even buying into a great business to start with but yeah, turned turned it into something, and, and it worked out. It opened up a lot of doors for a lot of other things for forever. Honestly.
0: Oh wow, that's I mean that's pretty cool. There's, you know, there's it's kind of like for a lot of people. You know, for me growing up, like I was really into comics and cards. I was like, oh, it'd be so cool to own my own card shop or you know, comic, you know game store. Um, but like actually running a store, you know, that there's a whole that's a whole different world. You know, it's not all Superman comics and uh, magic boosters. You know...
1: The the issue though is I think and this isn't just gaming specific or nerd specific stuff, this is yeah. just about entrepreneurship. I yeah. think a lot of people tend to be fans, hobbyist, enthusiast, mm-hmm. you know, they're into whatever it is they're trying to create or pedal or whatever. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they're not business people. Yeah. You know, even now I get a lot of people ask me like, oh, I'm thinking about opening a store. What should I do? And I tell them before you do anything, go take a business and a tax course, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, and they're like, "Okay, but then what? I'm like, no, go do that first and realize what you're going to be getting into. And then we'll talk about other stuff. Yeah. Like nobody wants to hear that because they want to know the fun part. What should I buy? What distributor should I use? What what should I sell something for? Whatever. Yeah. But to tell you that, like, there was so much I learned on the fly and I just got lucky. One because I'm I'm stubborn and hard headed and I'll just get you know do whatever I got to do to get through it, yeah. but it wasn't pleasant at times, you know. The other is I didn't I had to find people that I could get information from because nobody yeah. I knew was a business owner or whatever. Nobody in my family, so it was just like I had to scrounge for because this was also like I wouldn't say like before the internet, but when the very early parts of the internet, so there yeah. there weren't a lot of opportunities. I couldn't just go reach out to other retail groups or whatever. So that also made it tough. But at the same time, I was at the like right kind of near like I would say like a quarter of the way in on the Pokemon boom. Okay. so there was money coming and going, which was nice. But at the same time, for those first two years I was in business, I didn't even learn how to run a business because literally there were calls where distributors would call up and be like, hey, we have, I don't know, three cases of jungle to send you. And I'd be like, all right, cool. We didn't discuss price or nothing. (laughs) It was just like they'll be here. They know I'm good for it. I'll sell it. I'll pay for it. Yep. And at some point I was literally able to go, Hey, this isn't sustainable. So I literally went and found other business owners and just yeah. like, Hey, what are you doing? How do you running your business? Maybe there's some things I could learn from you. And over time I just picked up enough and it worked out. Fortunately.
0: Did you, you know, it's interesting. Did you have trouble with, um, I guess you, maybe it's a it's different industry. When you're talking to other business owners, were they pretty open about kind of like sharing their thoughts or, um, process, you know, or, you know, their experience or how they kind of did stuff, did you find that was a pretty easy process or was that? uh... Uh,
1: The toughest thing really was that I was so young, right? If I Mm -hmm. talked to somebody on the phone and then I showed up, they're kind of like, oh, you're the guy, (laughs) right? Like this 21, 22 year old punk kid shows up and they're like, "Uh, you're the one that I'm supposed to be talking to business about or whatever you know, I'd show up to the city to do something with like, I don't know, the chamber or something. They're like, Oh, you're the owner. Like, you know, like that happened a lot. So yeah. that was a bigger hurdle than anything, but most of the people I was able to talk to, I befriended some other way, whether we had a mutual interest in something in town, you know, somebody I met at a poker game, you know, whatever. Yeah. And that's how I opened a lot of those doors since it was like, okay, they already know me now, as they found out about me, let's talk, you
0: know? Yeah. It's, um, I uh I did wedding photography for a while, um, professionally. Obviously, hand in hand. And it was interesting when I started out as someone who didn't you know, knew photography but didn't know the business sides of it. And I had a lot of um, fellow photographers who I'd kind of ask questions, and you get a lot of like, well, you know, was a lot of you know they were kind of almost un- uh, unwilling to kind of share their knowledge in a lot of ways, um, which, you know. <laughs> I kind of, I guess, I kind of understood, but it was also I felt kind of silly because it's like I'm not here to poach your customers, right? There's kind of one of those things where there's going to be enough clients to go around. So, it's um, I was just curious if that was. Uh, it's nice when you kind of kind of build a relationship with someone and they're willing to kind of like teach you, you know, and, and not. Yeah, I can like,
1: tell you, like we we pushed it to the nth degree, even in the game industry, even within Texas where I was at the time. Like we had a Facebook group just for Texas game store owners. Right. Okay. Or hobby store owners. Right. Because yeah. the idea was if somebody came in and did a poor job. Now that affects a lot of future customers. Right. Because yeah. we all had customers it like, well, I just don't go to game stores anymore or comic book stores anymore or whatever. Because I went in this one time and this crazy thing happened. Right. Or yeah. I went in this one time and totally got insulted or, you know, a bunch of dudes were cat calling me or whatever it was. Right. Yeah. And then they just yeah. don't go into do a store again. Yep. So if we can prevent a lot of that then we're helping everybody, right? And then the other issue was if one of those stores open and then they close, well, now they're doing going out of business sales and all this other stuff and, like, that kind of messes up the economy of different things for a little bit. So, like, that's not good either. So we just kind of cut a lot of that off. And then that also led to eventually, which I'm still a member of now, like, even though I have my store, like, I guess because technically I'm on one of the original board members or whatever of it, but we started one and there's a Facebook group that's the largest to my knowledge, group of retailers that communicate regularly or whatever, for sure in the U.S., but probably even around the world uh, at this point.
0: Oh, wow. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I think a lot of times – and I talk about, um, especially on this show with other kind of creators, streamers, you know, Rising Tide lifts all boats, right? There's there's plenty of viewers to go around. There's plenty of subscriptions. There's plenty of people that you can build. And by kind of like making a better community, um, you're just going to improve everyone's kind of lot as opposed to kind of like, you know – hiding information or, or you know, uh, single people out or being maybe rude or it's it's just not it all yeah. kind of comes back in the end to you. Right. It's those kind of those kind of the
1: um, way everything, especially when we're talking about YouTube. Right. Yeah. The first thing to remember is that YouTube literally gets billions of views a day. Right. Yeah. Any, any of us would be happy to even see two percent of one day's views in the life of our YouTube channel. You know what I yeah. mean? Like that yes. that would be awesome, right? We, we yep. would have some hundreds of millions of, of views or whatever, right? It's just not really a thing. It's just not gonna happen for most people. So yep. to even worry about that is kind of silly because yep. like your genre, your niche may only be even one tenth of 1% of the potential viewers on YouTube, but that's still a gigantic number, mm-hmm. you know? So there's no point to really fight over it. And because of just how algorithms and social media and everything works, if any of us are making good content that people are watching and enjoying, then the next thing's going to get rec- recommended to them, right? Like yep. so, the more things people are watching and enjoying that are in our niche, it's going to keep showing them more of the same. So eventually, we have a chance of hitting more people. So yeah, hey, you want you want there to be more positive content.
0: Yep. Yes. The uh, the algorithm more and more determines the fate of our lives. It feels like as the, as days kind of go on.
1: You know, I to an extent, I I think one of the things. You know, diving a little deeper because I've actually spent time talking to people with YouTube with one of the groups I'm in. And YouTube doesn't really – I think the idea is like you put a thing up and it just like sends it out to a bunch of people. Mm. But it's actually kind of the opposite of how it works. Everything on YouTube is about the individual and about the viewer. So it's more about the viewer pulling the video to them. So the thing is just getting into that person's watch history, getting them to search for certain things you have in your videos or whatever – And then YouTube says, okay, hey, this person's kind of into this. Or they watch this other person's video where 10 other people were into this thing you're doing. Mm -hmm. Maybe they might be too. And then it starts showing it to that person. You know, more than just, hey, you did a cool video. It's like, great. But if you didn't do the things to get somebody to watch, then they're like, "Uh, yeah, you did a nice thing. But, you know, your intro's bad or your watch time's poor or whatever. And it's like, we're not showing that to people because at the end of the day, you want people to watch more videos longer because that's how they get paid, through all the ad rev and everything else.
0: Yep. Exactly. Um, well, you know, that's a pretty good uh, point, I think, to pivot to. Um, so, you know, Magic Player, game store owner, uh, currently content creator, I think is a pretty fair thing to say, is also one of your big, uh, big-time big jobs. Yeah. Uh, it's time. the way I
1: make most of my money now. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, so uh, what, uh, I guess, inspired you to kind of make that pivot to creator um just you know, I, I on YouTube. I know you some streaming. Like, what was that? What was the what was the turn there for you? What was uh, you know, like?
1: real real talk. It it was I was working at Card Kingdom, and I'd already started doing a little bit of streaming on Twitch, mm-hmm. and I'd started my podcast in like October ninety or twenty nineteen. Okay, and things were going good. We were doing our thing. You know, Card Kingdom content was going all right, and my boss at the time. And I'm not going to name anybody because there's no ill will. Everything's good. But, you know, we switched over. My boss ended up getting a different position because he was doing great. And honestly, Mm -hmm. probably the greatest guy. Actually, him, I'll call out because Mike Z, you're awesome. One of the best bosses anybody could probably work for, honestly. And got another guy who was taking over the department. And he had a different direction he wanted to go, right? He was going to consolidate some things, letting some people go. And I was one of the people on the chopping block, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. And... I kind of sat around for a little bit, and this it was, like, the week before Thanksgiving, you know, that year. Okay. Which, yeah, whatever. I had a little money saved up. You know, I had a nice little severance package from them. So it's not like it was a – it wasn't just, like, get out of here, you know, whatever. It was yeah. it was very nice, you know. And even now, I still have a good relationship with people at, at Card Kingdom. Well, good. But with that, I kind of took some time and said, okay, I already have these other things sort of going. I've been thinking about doing some YouTube stuff. Let me experiment with a couple of videos, get a feel for how – the, just the system works and everything else and, you know, dive into some numbers and I'll figure it out. And then as we kind of turned the calendar into 20, uh, 2020, I just decided, hey, if I could do 70% of all of our bills worth of money, then I'll keep doing this. I'm going to give myself one year. And it worked out. So I'm still doing stuff, you know, like yeah. as it turned out. Yeah. But the crazy part, though, was that my content was originally going to be very different. I was going to tackle the business side of gaming and magic because I already knew tons of people. Right, I knew tons of retailers. I knew all the distributors. I knew, I mean, hell, I stayed at the house of the vice president at one of the distributors, honestly. Like, so like, you know, I had some of them come to my wedding. Right. So I knew a lot of these people already. So I was like, okay, there's a lot to be told here that a lot of people just don't know. Because as gamers, and especially as Magic players, there's a lot of assumptions about a lot of things that are just wrong, yeah. right? So I'd actually started plotting out, okay, let me visit these different stores. Let me fly to this place. Let me talk to some people I know that are running conventions and see if I can get passes and all this. And then around mid-February, some of them called me back and said, hey, I'm here, we're going to have to shut some stuff down, so don't book anything. And I was literally like a couple days from starting to like buy tickets for my itineraries and stuff to make it work. Mm -hmm. And I'd bought like new business cards and I had these lapel mics and I literally have stuff I never used from that. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Which is crazy now to even think about. Yeah. So once that happened and, you know, obviously COVID hit by March, everything was shut down and I kind of had to decide, okay, well, what do I want to do now since I can't go visit people? So I did a few videos where I was interviewing some folks or whatever, just on zoom calls and kind of talking about how, COVID might affect businesses and stuff when you go back to your game stores. And that was kind of a decent way to get a feel for everything. But then after that, I was like, okay, well, I need something that's more consistent. Arena is kind of a thing people are going to start checking out. Mm. Let me get into that and do that, and I can talk about all types of magic stuff along the way. And then it just sort of became a regular thing.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny how that uh, 2020 year for a lot of people became the – I'm going to be a creator. I'm going to do this thing and kind of worked out in a lot of ways because there was not a whole lot, not a whole lot going on. Um, but I will say I, the, the business thing uh, does sound interesting. Like there, I think there, if you're ever looking to do that there's, I think it might be a market. Cause that's a very, cause I can, I can already tell, obviously you are vastly um, a vast knowledge of like kind of like the inner workings of um, obviously game stores on kind of both ends of like uh, selling and kind of be involved. Uh, I do think there's, def- there, there is something there that might be kind of interesting to, uh, I don't know, if you ever find time to really kind of pursue that uh i would listen i would subscribe yeah uh, but uh yeah so why did you okay so youtube um i guess what about youtube kind of because you know a lot of people there's like you know full-time twitch streamers versus youtube like what about youtube i guess uh was kind of why did you make that your main uh, source of for your, for your
1: stuff for real it was that man this is gonna sound so bad and it's gonna make me seem like a bad guy so i'm, <laughs> but I'm gonna say it anyway after doing my research Realizing that for gaming as a whole, not just magic, most of the content was bad. I mean, in a nutshell, like a lot of people weren't doing the things to help their videos be found, set them up to be watchable. A lot of people were kind of doing the bare minimum, just like recording something and putting it up. And bare
0: minimum, you say no. (laughs) There
1: were a lot of ways that I thought things could be changed and elevated. You know, yeah. even even for a gameplay video, like, mm-hmm. I was, to my knowledge, I was one of the first people that actually does, like, a cold open. So it's like, hey, here's what we're doing today, blah, blah, whatever. Yeah. Let's get into the deck list, And then I just, even my presentation for my deck list has evolved and changed. Just be like, here are the cards we're worried about today, highlighted, boom, now we're playing some games, right? Yeah. That whole thing from beginning to that point to playing the games is often less than three minutes, sometimes yeah. under two minutes, where I'll watch a lot of other people and it's like, man, we're eight minutes in this video and we haven't even played, we haven't even seen you play anything yet. Like, what was... What are we doing, you know? Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people are just missing that level of stuff. And you see it, same thing, too, with, like, the Let's Plays for the video games and whatever. It's kind of somebody is sitting there effectively just doing a recorded stream, you yeah. know? And it's just like, okay, but there's no sound effects. You haven't edited anything. You, you haven't done anything other than just show it and talk, right? Like, okay. And people, honestly, are were overestimating themselves because yeah. a lot of us aren't big over-the-top characters right so we can't sell the personality yeah. like i'm a great talker so i knew i could i could lean on that cuz in the yep. beginning i taught my everything i know about editing i do myself and i taught myself during the last 2 to 3 years yep. so i knew my editing was going to be trash <laughs> like <laughs> if you look at my early videos they are awful like the lighting sucks like they're just there's just not anywhere near what they need to be but i knew what i was good at and the information i could share so i leaned on that right and yep. just take le- take advantage of that and i don't think a lot of people do they try to become Another version of something they already like out there, but when I explain to people is if you're doing that, you do realize you're just always going to be a worse version of that other person, yeah because they already have a head start, they already have a bigger audience, they've got better equipment, they've got bigger sponsors, they probably have a team of editors you don't have, right yeah. so yeah. <laughs> figure out what makes you you and and lean on that while you're trying to build your brand or whatever and the other issue was I was smart enough to know especially because I'd already been through like the housing crisis running an actual business and see the downturn in the recession is that a lot of people weren't going to be prepared for what came after 2020 as creators. Mm-hmm. So I was able to go in with my eyes wide open and saying, okay, let me leverage everything I can now because two things are going to happen. One, people are going to leave the market because they're going to go back to real life. Right. Yeah. Once we can get out of our houses, they're going back to to the movies, taking their kids to soccer games, whatever. They don't have as much time to make content. Right. Right. That was the biggest one of understanding, like, if you can establish yourself, you're going to be one of the people remaining. The other is that also understanding that your numbers are not going to be as high as they are for a lot of people during the pandemic. I saw a lot of people panicking as we rolled into late 2022 into 2023 because they saw these numbers being huge during the pandemic. Like, well, what's happening? A year ago, I was getting... I don't know, five thousand views and video. Now I'm only getting one thousand. It's like, well, because people are living again, <laughs> like yeah. they're not at home with extra time to watch YouTube and Netflix anymore, right? Yep. So mm-hmm. you have to be developing along the way to account for that. So coming out the other side, I felt like I was able to stabilize and be one of the people still around, and things are still going okay.
0: Yeah, there's definitely. I mean, you talk about post lockdowns and stuff. You hear about you know tourism is like just crazy everywhere. I feel like everywhere I go, you know, I went to. um I went to Paris over the summer with my wife, and it was just people everywhere. Ooh, you like, went before
1: it, they got the bed bugs.
0: Oh, so we went. Okay, <laughs> I, we, we somehow managed to go. We went. We went after the riots for them raising the retirement age. Um, we were there before the riots when there was uh, an unfortunate shooting with the police, and that. Oh worked. yeah, I do remember that. And then. Um, yeah, but, but we were there hopefully before the bedbugs. I mean, at this point, I'm sure we would have, we would have known. Yeah, but, uh, we, yeah speaking we managed- of, for
1: people who don't know when you're watching this, I, yeah. whenever we're recording this in, like, I don't know, October 2023, but yeah. it's an actual thing that the entire city of Paris apparently has a bedbug infestation that they're panicked about because the Olympics are going to be there in another, like, n- nine months, I think. Something so, like that, yeah. Yeah, so they're, they're not happy, and they're trying to figure out how to solve the problem right now.
0: Yeah, it's it's wild. But yeah, we managed to sneak in like just in that little window where we did not see any any uh, protesting or riots. Uh the Eiffel Tower was closed for the day we were supposed to go. They went on they had a one day strike and our thing got rescheduled, but we managed to go the next day. But other than that it was a pretty pretty smooth, uh smooth sailing. But um but Tina, what you're talking about, yeah, people are out and like Doing stuff, right? They're they're not just sitting at home on their computer. And uh, if you did not have the for like to your point, like you if you didn't have the foresight to like listen, you need to lock in and kind of get that kind of foundation of your viewership locked in. Uh, it's going to be you know it's going to be a rough time coming coming out of that. Yeah, and
1: uh... it, and to tell you about how ridiculous I was, there were weeks I was on like five or six other people's products, like yeah. whether it was a podcast, a stream. You know, writing something for somebody, whatever it was, like I was taking every opportunity to get my name out there, work with people, make sure people knew what I was doing, funnel people to the right channels where I was making money, like whatever it was, right? Yep. Didn't get a lot of sleep on some weeks, but, (laughs) but it paid off in the end.
0: Yeah, it's you know, it's funny that you mentioned that as as someone who. I don't really call consider myself a creator, but like who's who's been doing this for a little bit, and who um, you know I like to do the photography, cosplay photography stuff. Like getting being able to get on like get on guest streams and kind of get on podcast stuff and be able to kind of make your your brand. I don't want to say brand because it almost sounds a little too. Uh...
1: Hey, that's what it is, though. It is
0: right. You it know? is. It's your brand, right? You're to kind of get it out there into other avenues than just like, well, here's just my my YouTube show that no one watches anyway, so. Uh, but kind of getting it out there and kind of get your name kind of in those circles and kind of you know getting your getting yourself in front of viewers who would not normally see you. Uh, I think it's a it's a huge part of being you know being a full time creator, right? For I,
1: I think so, but I, I think a lot of people overvalue it too because okay. part of the problem is that let's say you're you're a newer person and you get to do a project with the professor, for instance, because yeah. you know he's about to hit a million subs probably in another few months, maybe.
2: Yeah,
1: you know. That could be really good, but also what are you prepared to bring to that audience, right? Yeah, that's a good point. What are you bringing to his audience that they haven't seen before? And then if they do decide to follow you, then what, right? You haven't developed your voice. You haven't developed your brand, your expertise to be able to entertain these people. So they may come see you in your worst state, and then they don't come back. And then the way YouTube works, that's also not a benefit to you because now you have – let's say 5,000 people come over well now you have 5,000 subs that aren't watching your videos when they're pushed out because yeah. some number of those will be recommended to your people because they've already watched your other stuff yep but they're maybe not gonna watch it because they're be like yeah I watched the last thing and they weren't that entertaining you know and then now you're not getting that reach that click-through rate whatever of your videos and now you're gonna have a harder time getting out there so a lot of people don't really think about that you know I was able to do a project with a professor I think it was in like in October of 2020. Okay. And, you know, we don't live that far apart. It's like a three-hour drive or so. Mm. So I was like, hey, we we both COVID tested. We quarantined for, like, a full week or whatever, and then we got together, did our content. And even before that, we spent, like, two weeks prior, we spent a couple days going back and forth in DMs of, okay, here's some topics I can talk about that you may not have had on your channel or that your people may be curious about. And we talked about, okay, well, how is this affecting stores what can you expect when you come back to retailers or whatever and we talked about different aspects of that that made for a really good video right so it wasn't just like hey i want to be on your channel it's like hey let me think of something i can bring to your channel right because even when people you know want to have me on different shows or whatever i always ask them okay cool you tell me what you need from me right what what idea are you bringing what conversation do you want to have because when you go to a larger creator you're kind of stealing their time and their time is worth more than yours (laughs) Oh, <laughs> right? like, like, the professor's time is worth probably six times what mine is, right? Oh, or yeah. the guys I, I, over over at, uh, you know, game nights or whatever. So you have to consider that, okay, I need to at least make it somewhat worth it, or else why are they even giving me time other than just some altruistic reason? Yeah. You know? And I see people get upset about that, even on, on Twitter or on social, saying, well, why don't these people have more beginners on their stream or more up-and-comers? And it's like, it's not that they're not trying to support you, but they also have a standard yeah. and a lot of new people aren't up to that standard yet. Like, and I'm sure you've seen it. You go watch somebody's stream and they've got some new people on with them, you know, maybe playing commander or whatever. And the new person's audio isn't great and yeah. they don't have good lighting. So you can't see the cards that well. And, you know, maybe they've got an echo or whatever. And it's like, it's just not the quality their viewers are used to. So it's not going to be as good of an experience. Now, maybe they could help you with it offline and, you know, give you some tips and help you get there. And then when you're there, invite you on. But nobody's obligated to do that. You know, I don't yeah. look at the channels bigger than me and say, like, hey, we, we, why have I not been on your channel in a while? Like, I might reach out and say, hey, I have an idea. Do you want to work together? You know, I jokingly have a thing with Dev over at SBMTG because we're into a lot of the same stuff. And yeah. he's just terrible about responding to messages. So by the time <laughs> he does, like, the ideas pass. But, you know, that's probably the one that I hassle at all. But... Yeah, it's just one of those things. Like, bring an idea, have something ready to go, and make it interesting for somebody to include you a lot of times other than just, hey, I want to play with you or I want to be part of your thing, you know, yeah. get me on there.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I feel like a thief all the time when I have some of the guests I've had on the show just uh, like, oh, I am, you know, whatever, I'm a nobody. I say I'm a nobody, but uh, jokingly, but, 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 but as a from a, from a viewership or brand standpoint, yeah. And, like, even just having you on to me, I'm like, man, this is, like, for me, it's like, it's a pretty big deal. Like, I don't want to like, gush, but like, to me, like you're, you're a pretty established and well-known creator. Um, super glad to have you on, but like, you know, I've been doing this show maybe for three years, but you know, three years ago, like I wouldn't even, you know, I wouldn't even think about asking someone to come on. Cause like, what do I have to show for it? Why would you dedicate, you know, an hour, hour and a half of your time to someone that has two subs and gets like five views. And not to say that, like, you wouldn't be against it per se. But yeah, there is like a value proposition for like, well, yeah, these you want to kind of like ha- make it worth your time. Um, but you know like, what? You know, there's there's like, still a
1: way to sell that though, right? You could you could go to somebody yeah. and say, hey, look, I'm just starting out. I want to do some content about XYZ. You're one of the best people in this space. Is there any way I could get you for just like 30 minutes to do just like a fun interview, something a little bit different, come up with a gimmick or something that's yeah. they haven't done before? And like, all right, cool. And some number of people will say yes. Right? You may yeah. only be 20%, but you only need one to hit to get you started. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, that's that's very true. And, you know, this, this is all kind of, you know, we were talking about uh, entre- entrepreneurs earlier, and we've talked about content creation. I've kind of talked, we've kind of, um, I've discussed it kind of in the past with other people. Like, the the real trick to a lot of this is, like, you got to put the work in, right? I think a lot of times people see streamers and YouTubers and think, like, oh, I'm just going to go live on Twitch, I can do this full-time, like, I don't have to work. And they don't see all of the prep that kind of goes into creating YouTube's channel, uh, having a consistent stream uh, on Twitch, or, um, you know, just kind of being ready. Like, you know, I even you know, I have pages of notes written down, so I'm not just sitting here like, uh, so what about this or you know, being prepared and kind of putting in the time, like being a full-time content creator is, is tough. Like it, 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 I'm sure it's compared to some jobs, it can be very fun, but it's not just like, I'm just going to hit record and like go to town. There's a lot of work that goes on. The people
1: that, that are the best are also doing the most, yep. you know, whether it's talking to a team of people and figuring out what the work week's going to look like, how they're editing stuff. Like, even for myself, I think about when I'm doing videos, okay, cool, this is a good spot to clip, maybe this becomes a short later, okay, how much time am I going to put toward editing that? Like, I still have to put together the run sheet for my podcast, so, like, that's got to happen somewhere during the week, then I have to edit that one. I'm also a guest host on another one, so i got to keep time clear on my calendar to be on that one, right? Like, I might have commentary over the weekend, so... I got to make sure to set up my background and stuff. So that's all good. And then we do a sound check on Thursdays to make sure, you know, we're ready to go on Friday, right? Like there's all those types of things going on that like all of that makes it work. So when you get to the end, it looks great and it looks flawless, right? I was just telling one of my viewers the other day, like, I'm surprised I don't like have more errors that happen because (laughs) I'm doing everything myself. And a lot of it, I'm doing it in a hurry. You know, I've purposely built a system to have almost shortcuts in a lot of things because I know I have limited editing skills and things like that. So I have to make it as quick as possible. So when there is an error or something, I can spend time sorting it and fixing it. Cause again, I'm not an expert, but that that's the type of stuff you have to figure out is like, where do you get your efficiencies? How much time do you have to dedicate to it? And at one point I was telling people during the pandemic, you know, I was, I at least had four to six hours a week where I was just either watching YouTube videos, reading articles Testing stuff I just read about, like just to get better at editing with lighting, camera work, mm-hmm. you know microphone settings, whatever, just to level up my content constantly,
0: yep, yeah, and you' got you know that's you always got to be kind of learning right you know i've uh, I do a lot of photography, I've been doing photography uh close to twenty years now, and still every day I'm probably I'm looking at articles about new camera technology or just like how do you, you know lighting techniques editing techniques just whatever is new whatever is interesting whatever is cutting edge to kind of keep yourself engaged but also kind of to keep evolving as a as a artist creator whatever you want to say um, because you know stagnation is death in a lot in a lot of these um kind of fields because everyone's always there's always something new and better kind of coming around
1: well if you're not growing you're dying that's what they yeah, say but exactly exactly but seriously i think there's a there's a good point there because a lot of people who will tell you like well the algorithm changed or whatever and i just don't give you no the algorithm didn't change it's the people changed yeah right because again it's not about your stuff being pushed out it's about stuff being pulled to your people right and if their interests have changed like let's say even for magic like we might be in a world right now where we're doing good content with best of one on arena mm. and maybe three years from now maybe even two years from now a lot of people decide well you know i'm doing FM a lot maybe some tournament series are coming around they want to see more best of three content well if you don't evolve with that and keep doing best of one where well, you're not gonna see your view number go up yeah. but if you switch over to best of three more people want to watch your stuff or whatever the case may be right it might be more people want to watch more Commander content or whatever. And if you don't make the change, you're going to be left behind. Yep. But people get comfortable doing a certain thing, and then they don't know how to change because they haven't been experimenting along the way. And yep. that's why I tell people. I make changes all the time, little stuff, just adding things. And I, and I actually tell people, watch content outside of your niche. Yeah. Like There's a lot of times I'm not even watching magic content when I'm on YouTube. I have a few friends stuff I'll watch or whatever, but sometimes I'm looking at other stuff so I can find ideas that work that us as gamers, we aren't doing, you know, especially during the pandemic. Because I had a thought of, let me find a genre that they absolutely can't do what they do because of the pandemic. So I eventually found this guy. He's an older guy. He was, uh, I guess you would say he... He was reviewing cruise liners and, and taking cruises and, you know, the amenities wow. they have and all this. He's a so I'm like, right. for sure he's not doing this during the <laughs> pandemic, right? Yeah. But then I was like, okay, he found something. He's talking about, okay, let's talk about the news updates and how it affects things. And then, hey, let's talk about the history of these ships or these companies that have bought each other and, you know, the big different ones you have to choose from. And so he just still was doing stuff in that space, but let's touch on things that maybe don't involve live people right now. Right, And I was like, okay, well, we could do some of that in Magic. I could talk about some random things that people don't know about that I have some goodies in the closet I can pull out and show in some shorts on TikTok or something or whatever. And, you know, that that worked. You know, it, yeah. even in my videos, I have a thing at the end that's just a card spotlight at the end of all my gameplay videos. That's just yep. a random card in Magic that might be loosely related to the deck I played that day. And it's usually just to, like, share. Maybe you didn't know this card isn't a bulk rare or whatever. Or... Here's a cool bit of history you didn't know about the card, whatever it is. I actually got that idea because I was watching another guy who reviews performance magic. And at the end of all of his videos, for whatever random reason, he reads a couple of chat or, yeah, I think it's just like a couple of paragraphs or something out of Aesop's fables. Oh. Don't know why. Like, I do not know the origins of it. I just know that he does. And the one or two times he didn't, that was like 15 comments it was just so no fables today. What's up? Like, are we not we're we not reading these anymore? Right. So oh, I'm like, funny. OK, this matters to people. Yeah. But what I think folks don't realize about that is it's not just that it matters. What it does is it increases your watch time and your retention, right? Because yeah. now people aren't clicking off the end because they want that extra little bit of info you promised them show to show, right? Yep. So even that was enough to be like, okay, well, let me see if I could find some. I'm not going to read Aesop's Fables, but like, you know, let me find something that I could get another like two minutes out of, yeah. you know? Okay, cool. So even that, just from finding other content out there, gives you ideas on how you can adapt your own stuff.
0: Yeah, it's funny because actually there's a there's a famous well there's a story where that the Beatles um, always wrote pretty uh, always had outros to their songs. So there's a lot of bands would just have the same the chorus kind of fade out, but they always would make sure to play outros. So radio stations would have to play the whole song, mm-hmm. uh, and that was the thing—the kind of specific thing I think they started or they they did. I'm sure other people did it, but that that always kind of stuck with me. I'm like, oh, that's that's kind of brilliant because it like forces you to stay through the entire song, um, cause you don't want to miss the outro cause it's going to be, uni- you know, it's a, not just the chorus again or something like that. And it kind of, this kind of, to your point, the same thing with the fables or having your, your, your card at the end, um, it gets you to that kind of pulls people through the, the, the finish line and then gives them something to kind of look, look, look for at the end. Cause like, you know, as soon as you stop doing that, yeah, people are like, oh, where, where's the card wreck or where's, or where's the fable go? Like where, yep. what happened? Yeah. So it's, um. That's, that's kind of funny. That's a, it's a nice little – I don't want to say trick, but, like, it's a, it's, a, it's a nice thing to think about or it's a clever thing to think about in terms of uh, – Well, the, kind the of,
1: biggest uh, thing I tell people is just think about how you view content, right? Yeah. Like, nobody was staying to the end credits of a movie until Marvel started putting in extra scenes, yeah. right? So now it's like, wait, yeah. now there's two things you have to watch for at the end of Marvel movies now. So now people will sit through all the credits. Yeah. No way people were doing that before. Right. But because now once it happened once, you're like, oh, well, maybe there might be one at the end of this movie. So now you sit through it and you're like, oh, there (laughs) is. And you get rewarded for sitting there. Right. So now you're almost surprised when they have one and there's not a scene. You're like, oh, well, all right, then I guess we just leave now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: like oh man because you're like you want that hit too that last hit of dopamine like oh what's coming next like who's the who's the random person they're going to introduce into this movie is to make me wait for the next one you know
1: yeah or, or even like you know in intros i tell people like you're not watching the intro for the fifth time on a tv show unless it's uh peacemaker because they had that whole like weird i don't know musical whatever yeah, opening you know like, yeah. and that was kind of fun to watch every time but outside of that Like, nobody's wanting to watch an intro for the fifth time, sixth time, whatever. You're clicking through it because that's how we use all the stuff we watch now. Yeah. So it's, like, adapt all those things from the behaviors you know of humans because that's who's watching it. It's not a robot just sitting there watching your video. Like, you have to understand the behavior of the people and how they're going to get through your content.
2: Yep.
0: Yep. Yeah, I I wanted to touch on – so, I mean – you know, successful creators, I think, you know, like kind of we touched on or there's a lot kind of going on behind the scenes. There's a lot of kind of work going on outside of just the, the finished product. And um, I wanted to kind of bring up um, your membership in Toptic Studios, because uh, mm-hmm. I know I've seen you've been on a few episodes of Decked Out, which uh, Veggie Wagon is a friend of mine. And watching that show kind of evolve from its first iteration to I think I just watched their Halloween episode today. Um what, so I just kind of just kind of want to talk about Tech Studios. Like, what, what you know, that's kind of uh, how would you describe Tech Studios and like you know the decked out experience for you? Because I know you've been on a few episodes. Yeah, what, what's that? What, I would
1: say you know? first thing is like MG Nerd Girl, one of the hardest working people in in Magic, probably in gaming, but for sure in Magic. So yeah. like props to her for sure, and also to Veggie because I think he undersells himself a lot. But the dude is very funny, super creative, yeah. always has tons of ideas. You know, he's one of those people I looked at early on and told him like, "Don't worry, you're gonna make it. Right? Yeah. Like, like, one way or another, you're going to you're going to get there." Like, I because I constantly tell people creators unfortunately are not creative, and that's what gets a lot of people. And yeah. he totally has that. You know, but as for the experience, no, it's great. I mean, what what Nerd Girls tried to do is put together. A group where people can help each other grow you know mm-hmm. and even when i talk to her you know i'm not particularly in to get a lot out of it but i'm there to when i see something i try to help somebody out or yeah. recommend a thing to somebody in the group and you know sometimes everybody's just being a support system when somebody's just having a bad day or you know something happened and they can't get to their content and they fell down about it or whatever like so it's it's kind of just a good quality like network of creators for people to help each other more than anything else but as far as being on on decked out like it's been fun every time like you know <laughs> hammy her her little corgi is hilarious we i was playing with the toys when we are over there but yeah. you know her mom is great uh, a fantastic host and we just make some fun content we normally shoot a couple episodes at a time when we're there so you know we have we have to prep some stuff ahead of time but yeah, yeah. To- totally worth it and they're not far either i mean they're Little over two hours, two and a half hours or whatever away, so it's easy to just make a day trip out of it, record some stuff, and drive back.
0: oh for sure. Yeah, I, uh, I you know, it's been awesome seeing the entire stuff. You know, veggie, veggie's career. I'm gonna give him his flowers over here. Just seeing him come from just being in his little room in Boston and yeah. doing <laughs> like weird cosplays now. You know, in the. Um, call it the the top deck house with uh, nerd girl and i think airball and mm-hmm. nerd mom and just seeing the evolution of that show uh and the show's great like it's funny and it's entertaining and it's definitely has its its own kind of vibe which is you know kind of it's kind of i think found its rhythm a little bit um and i think to your point too i think nerd girl is very underappreciated or under um like i i don't think people realize how how much she does like from a behind the scenes aspect in terms of like her creation and kind of helping guide that um the studios and all that kind of good stuff. So uh, definitely recommend checking out that show uh, anytime you can. It's very, very good. Um, So in addition to all this other kind of good stuff you got going on, uh, you are part of the inaugural class of MTG ambassadors. I am. Um, Ambassador program has been an interesting uh, development, I'd say. Um, What do you... So for, as an ambassador, like, what do you think, like, what would you want to be able to tell people about the program that maybe they don't, that you've seen people misrepresent or don't quite understand? And like, what has your been experience as an ambassador?
1: My first thing, and I've said this my entire time, I've been part of magic is that I think wizards over communicates to begin with. I think, <laughs> I think they've just created a system where people have gotten used to them communicating a lot. So when they do or don't say something, People want to take it every which way, and it's like, okay, well, now we have to have an explanation for the thing they just said, or now we have to have an announcement for the announcement. Because if you don't tell people it's coming, now they get mad that they didn't get a warning. That you know, yeah. it's just like, what are we doing? You know, <laughs> and so yeah. that that's always been a point of frustration. Because I tell people, genuinely, like think about every single other company, not even other game company, just every single other company of every brand you're a fan of. How much communication do you get?
0: Not not a lot. if Exactly. Any, really. Like even
1: no. if you're a sports fan, you're you're lucky to get a decent interview after the game that's not just a bunch of platitudes from somebody. You know what I mean? Like, like there's almost nothing. So it's just like, unless there's just like inside sports reporting or something, you don't find out a lot. So it's like, okay. That being said, you kind of go to the next level and say, okay, what if we just made ambassadors to help us promote things? That's not that weird or new. I I made a post about it in a video about it, just saying like, the reality is every single other brand has this. Now, they're called something different. Some people call them like a street team or a community ambassador or whatever it is. Right? They all have different yep. names for it, yep. but they exist. Yep. Almost every creator you know is probably one of those things for some other brand. Yep. It's not new. This is just using people that are already a voice in the community to promote whatever thing is coming out. That's kind of it. There's yep. really not more to it than that. You know, it's just helping the overall sales of Magic for a thing you are already going to be promoting on some level, right? Now, it might be, hey, this month we'd like, I don't know, just making up a number here, but just, okay, uh, Exelon's coming out in a couple of weeks, right? So it might be, hey, this month could you do maybe a social post and a video about your favorite cards from the set or whatever. It's like, all right, sure, I can do that, no problem. Or if you are a streamer, it's like, hey, on your next stream, can you get two or three creators on or ambassadors so you can play a game with the new commander decks and everybody can see them or whatever it is, right? That's all it's really about. There's really nothing else. The interesting thing about the ambassador program is just a selection of folks, because I think there is a misconception that people got chosen just for the size of their reach or whatever else. But there's genuinely people that are fairly new, I would say, in the program. And people that have, you know, 50,000 followers or subscribers. So it's everything in between. And partly because this is a test group. Like, we don't even know who all is going to still be part of it in a year or not. You know, what metrics they're going to start realizing work or don't or, you know, even I guess it's only been, what, six months or so. But even in that window of time, we've had communication change and expectations change. like. Even for them, they're saying, "Okay, well, this works better. Maybe this way we review stuff. This works better, you know." And it's just going to be an evolving thing, and it's probably going to take about two years before I think they're settled into a real solid groove and see what's working and what's not.
0: Yeah, yeah, I definitely, you know, to your point, the the ambassadors themselves. It def- definitely runs a wide gamut of like who is involved. There are some smaller creators, and there are some very large creators, which I think is great. Like, it almost would feel. Bro- <laughs> I don't want to say worse, but if it was just all of the top creators just as the ambassadors, like, okay, like, cool, they were already kind of getting doing this anyways. Um, but I think the fact that they, they're like, hey, let's involve some maybe new and upcoming creators that are doing some different stuff, uh, I think it was great. I think that was a, that's a cool way to kind of engage but you with... Know... with...
1: One of the funny things, though, is you had people being mad because they're like, well, why'd this new person get picked over me, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so yeah. when you're saying, like, don't keep using all the biggest creators, and then they don't, people are like, well, but why them and not me, right? Yeah. So then the argument, especially if you're looking from Wizards, and just kind of becomes like, okay, you're just mad it wasn't you. Yes. Right? Yes. It's not the size. It's not what they do. It's not their work. It's because it wasn't you. Yeah. Right? And that that's hard. That's hard for a lot of people to not be selected for a thing. But understand that's not an indictment on anybody it's just they might have been looking for certain things even and we don't know right they didn't tell us we wanted a specific number of whatever yep. but in this program especially for the initial launch they might have wanted maybe 10 or 20% under a certain reach maybe 10 or 20% over a certain reach right maybe you know so many people on youtube so many people on tiktok so many people on twitch right all of that would make sense because they the, again this is a test group right so we're trying yep. to figure out What works where and where should they best be spending their money and their time? Because at the end of the day, sure, they may be giving us packs or whatever product, whatever it is, but they're also still trying to sell more stuff. And they're paying people to manage this and track the results and, you know, ship stuff or whatever. So if they're not getting anything out of it, some of those people may not be returning. That's just kind of the way it's going to be, you know?
2: Yep.
0: Yeah, if you know if the uh the creator application for Chicago was any indication I should have just cornered the market on Pinterest and LinkedIn. I feel like there's a real opportunity there. Yeah. <laughs> it was a very odd uh You
1: um, know, I, I was thinking about it like Pinterest probably works for cosplayers. You know, yeah, they they I probably have that. a lot of stuff of just like different looks, you know, maybe hoods, makeups, things like that. Yeah. That the rest of us wouldn't necessarily use. Because I was thinking about that when I when I saw the form Like, who would use us? I was like, ah, it's probably like a cosplayer thing. Because yeah. I don't have a use for it. But for them, everything is visual. So yep. that would make a lot of sense.
0: LinkedIn, though, I'm still kind of like, why would they? Like, how would you even? Yeah. How would you even? <laughs> but I don't know. I was, it was just it was just funny to see. Um, Maybe another was,
1: way just to verify you're the real person you're saying you are. I don't know. True. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the,
0: the LinkedIn is kind of, I have a, you know, we, we use it at my my real job. Uh, and I'm just like, I always forget it exists cause I, you know, I have to have one, but I'm like, Oh yeah, I should probably go on and repost my marketing ads that I put out to the, you know, it's always weird using LinkedIn cause it feels like this, like it's a bunch of people in their job stuff and they're just reposting their job stuff. But, but like, I don't care about what your job is doing cause we, what doesn't affect my job, but we all just kind of do it anyways. But anyways, that's off. That's uh, neither here nor there. But, um, I you know I think the I think the ambassador program is great. I think it got a lot of unnecessary backlash when it was announced. Uh, I think a lot of it's kind of your point where people were kind of disappointed that it wasn't them. It was some certain other people, you know, other or, or not know.
1: their favorite creator, or their, right? their favorite like, creator. That's yeah,
0: um, and I, I will say
1: this too, though there were also some creators, and I don't I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but there there were some people that I think put out content not necessarily understanding what the specifics were, right? Yeah. Because some people are like, well, I didn't want to get involved cuz I didn't want Wizards to have all my numbers and my analytics or whatever. And it's like, well, one if they had it, it, it doesn't do anything. Like I mean, yeah. literally doesn't. I mean, like like I can show my analytics to somebody tomorrow and it doesn't do anything. Yeah. But they don't even ask for that from us. Like at most we've had a link that they track on their side to whatever website they're trying to get us to promote or whatever, which honestly makes the most sense because they're trying to see, okay, when we do this type of content, does it drive traffic the way we want to specific things or certain sales or certain card images or whatever it is? Yeah. Like that's all they're really looking for so far. They have not asked to my knowledge from anybody in the program for any type of what you would call secretive or, or close information, Yeah, I guess. So, yeah. And I think that kind of, started a conversation like well wizards wants to have overreaching stuff and they want to do this and well they they have a youtube channel how do you know they don't want to know your numbers so they can compete with and i was like none of that even makes sense like it's just not a thing like again how we talked about how youtube works that just wouldn't even make sense with a lot of people's content that they're inviting in anyway so if anything, silly they
0: they probably should be using the youtube more like there should be more content coming out directly from wizards on their youtube that Outside of you know the ambassador kind of stuff, feels like they're actually there's... doing a fair amount.
1: They have a arena has its own MTG channel now, so mm-hmm. MTG Arena has a channel. They've been putting stuff up, uh, I think like three times a week. Uh, okay. There's That's also the Magic channel has been putting up a few things. They've also extended Magic to TikTok and more on Instagram. I've been seeing That's them do true. stuff. That's so true. yeah, they have, have a whole social yeah. media team that's definitely been picking up the pace in 2023.
0: That's true. Yeah, now that, that, that you mentioned, I do you know I get emails with like, here's so and so doing you know, deck text and kind of stuff, which is which is good, which is yeah, you want to see that because yeah, because it's gonna just it's if that does well, it's gonna push people to other creators' content and uh, just again a rising tide, right? That's kind of the re- the refrain, refrain for this episode. So. um but yeah, you know, I think I, I think most of the quote unquote discourse about ambassadors has kind of died down a little bit. I think it's kind of finally, you know, like most things, you give it a, you give it the news cycle and people kind of move on to the next big uh, <laughs> next big complaint, whatever it be. You it's know. funny you
1: say that. When I was at Wizards, it was around the time I was there when Chris Cox had first come on, and maybe somewhere about three four months after he he'd been the head. There's one morning he comes in and he's like, hey, did y'all see whatever it was? They were complaining about something on Reddit or whatever. And people were kind of in small panic mode. And I literally looked at him and said, honestly, I would just ignore it. It won't even be a thing tomorrow. And just went back to what I was doing. And people were like, you, you just told the boss, whatever. And he's like, all right, cool. And then we talked the next day and it wasn't even a thing. You yeah. know, Same thing with the ambassador thing. Like People want to be mad about it. And it's like, okay, cool. What specifically are you mad at? Not what are you speculatively mad at? What are you yeah. specifically mad at? And nobody had anything. And then now it's like, oh, you see your favorite people are still making the content they were already making. Right. In some cases, we make like an additional piece of content to meet whatever the brief is for the ambassadors that month. But otherwise, I'm still doing my YouTube videos. I'm still doing my TikTok stuff. Nobody's telling me I can't say certain things. And that's the other thing. People, for some reason, assume we were just going to turn into mouthpieces for Wizards. They have told us specifically if there's a heated topic or something else and you do not want to talk about it, don't feel uncomfortable. don't. Right? They have not forced us into anything that, hell, to be honest, there's dudes like myself, like Shivam, some other folks that when something's negative, we'll just talk about it and say it's negative. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like Wizards knows that coming in. They're aware of my podcast where I've said many things. But we also say all the time, we'll dog it when it's bad, but we're also gonna praise it when something goes right. You know, yeah. I think that's where a lot of people not just with Wizards, I think with a lot of brands, miss the opportunity to get those other gigs because you're always negative, right? Or when there is a positive thing, you're looking for the negative thing in it instead of just admitting like, hey, they made a good decision. Hell, Twitch is a good example. Twitch Mm -hmm. has given people a million things we could dog on Twitch if we wanted to. Yeah, But this past TwitchCon, it was like, hey, they're going to let people multi-stream on stuff. Hey, let's talk about it. This is a win, right? This is good for a lot of people. You know, and people are like, yeah, but I'm like, okay, yeah, there's some small things, but the overarching thing is good. Let's just admit they got a win on this one. We'll dog the other stuff later, you know? And, yeah. but if you're looking to get sponsorships with different brands and different companies, and that's what they see of you on socials, because these people do their research, they have social media teams, right? <laughs> like, and that's all you're doing, they're not going to want to work with you. Yep. They're just not.
0: Yep. And it shouldn't be bad to praise things that are good. Right. It's, you know, we live, sometimes it's like really easy to, to dog the back stuff, right? It's really easy to be negative all the time, but it almost feels like you're punished for when you compliment or you're like, Hey, you know what? This was the right thing to do. I'm glad they've done that. And then you, it immediately becomes like this, like, Oh, are you, know, are you a bootlicker? You know, suck. Hey, whatever. I'm just
1: like, glad I'm an ambassador now. So somebody can actually say like, well, you're just in wizard's pocket. Like, you, know, like, <laughs> you <laughs> I'm have. really not. But, you know, but the funny thing is like, you know, a good example is they had their, this was, I guess, beginning of 2021, whatever year it was when they did like, Hey, we finally had a first billion dollar year, but we're having to raise prices coming up yeah. in like six months or whatever. And I did a video just explaining to people why this could still be a thing and make sense. And cause a lot of people don't understand like net profit, profit margin, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I set up a little spreadsheet, made a little video and we talked about it and said like, okay, okay. Assuming this number stays the same and all this, here's what happens. If something changes even 1%, look how much less money they make or whatever. And I had a bunch of people that were just thankful of somebody going, hey, we never learned this in school. I didn't understand this. This makes so much more sense. Thanks for explaining it. A bunch of other people are like, oh, well, why are you coming to defend billion-dollar Watsi or whatever? I'm like, I'm not defending anything. They didn't pay me to make the video. Yeah, I just saw a bunch of people struggling with logic, and I knew how to explain it. You know, like, you can have whatever opinion you want to have. I don't ever try to change somebody's opinion. Anything I say is mine and strictly mine, and I am not trying to get anybody else to jump in my ship.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And that's, again, I think that's been uh, one of the uh, powers of your uh, content is, like, you, you lay it all out there. You, you have a very logical approach to a lot of, like, your opinions and a lot of videos. But you're not like, this is how you should think. It's a very, you know, like, structured. And, like, listen, let me present it to you. And you could you present a lot of this information. Um, I don't think a lot of people can slash know how to present. Like, you have kind of that history, which is, um, I think, a, a nice uh, outlet for the community to have to approach these kind of issues. That Like, who else is going to go in and talk about profit charts for how you know over the course of a year like that that would be something I well the thing is it's it's not
1: sexy right it's easier to make the video say wizard makes a billion dollars and increases prices and you know it's like okay that'll get the views because you know negativity misery loves company the whole nine right but i would rather build my brand and my audience on being that positive force and educating people And I've told you before, like, I know that my growth has not been as fast as it possibly could be, but that's also intentional, Mm -hmm. right? I know more of my viewers. I've responded to more of them and stuff. I have 600 of them that come hang out in my Discord, you know, that a lot of people don't have. I don't have fights all the time. I'm having to break up or whatever, or people being negative, right? I've had to boot like five people from streams, I think, and maybe a couple, some from my YouTube comments, Right, I'm just doing it differently because I don't want that. Right, when I go to a show, or to a Magic con or something like, it's great having people come up and want to take pictures and record little videos and like that's the audience I want. I don't want people coming up going like, "Oh man, you want to go this thing that's so bad?" and like these people are here. You should go talk to. Them. I'm like, no, I'm not looking to argue and fight with people when I'm out having fun with folks. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, yeah. we're here to have a good time.
0: Exactly. I talk about community a lot on the show, and part of uh, I think the strength of the magic community is we is cultivating the community we want to be a part of. And I think that's kind of to your point, like, you know, talk about having your Discord and not having to deal with a lot of, like, troublemakers, right? Because you've cultivated this community that, you know, very like-minded in the way you approach kind of situations and just, like, the game and how you want to engage with the content. And, um, you know, there was... I'm not going to, you know, take a line for you. I'm not going to name any names. But, like, there was this one YouTube creator I used to really like had really cool videos. And then the, there was one big event. I'm not even going to, don't really want to say it cause it might, whatever Sure. that sure. kind of changed their mind and all their videos have just become like negative, like just downers, downers, downers. And I, I don't, I don't even watch, I don't engage in their content. I will tell you this.
1: I have it on good authority that there are at least two creators I know of off the top of my head that they know a lot of what they post is both negative and wrong. But they know it draws views. Now, fortunately, one of them is definitely getting a lot less views now, so that's good. Yeah. But they're basically just profiting off the negativity, whether yeah. it's right or not. Right? Yeah. They they don't care because they know people click on it with their assumptions. And like that's terrible. Because like at the end of the day, whatever the thing is that you're into, whether it's gaming, sports, I don't know, whatever. If it always makes you mad. And all you ever have is negative stuff. Yep. At some point, why don't you just walk away? Yep. And I know some people say, well, the game should change. and it but, like, but at some point, it's just not. Yep. You know what I mean? And this isn't something, this isn't politics. This isn't your job. This isn't, you know, how much you're making for something or whatever. This isn't putting your kids through school. This is just people playing a game. If it makes you that upset on a regular basis, at some point, just walk away and be happier. Yep. Go find something else that can make you happy. And this isn't to say, like, I don't want us to have more people in community. We obviously love having more people. But if it's not making you happy, why be around? Like, there's many things I have walked away from that did not make (laughs) me happy.
0: It's exhausting. It's exhausting to be mad all the time. It's just you can't can't do it. It's not well, and I
1: also think that people struggling, whether that's to be better at the game or to make better content or whatever, I catch a lot of them being caught up in these negative loops. And I'm like, you know how much energy and time you've wasted that could have been put towards something else. I mean, I, I there's somebody, because I do a little bit of YouTube consulting. Yep. And one person I was working with, at least five or six times, they kept bringing up this issue they were having with some website that had used some of their content and didn't credit them or whatever. And I was like, look, here's the deal. Are you going to contact them and do something about it or not? And they're like, well, I don't know. Okay, cool. If you're not going to do anything, then it's done. Right? If you are, then let's solve it Get it done. Get it dealt with. If not, forget it. You're just wasting time and energy. Yeah. Right. You could have been doing so many other things with this time in this conversation, but you keep bringing up this other thing. That's not going to make you any more money. That's not going to get you any more viewers. Right. But you're letting that occupy headspace. Yeah. Like, I don't have time for that. Like, I mean, literally, I literally don't have time for that. Like I'm doing so many things that like it's, is this a problem? Sure. If so, how do we solve it? If I can't, then I move on from it. If I can, let's do it. Get it out the way, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's just there's it's not worth the headspace. It's not worth the anger to dwell on these things because you're just you're just going to kill your productivity. And just there's what's like. Why? like Why put yourself through that? You know,
1: and and it rubs off in your content. Right. Yeah. If you are negative, people start to pick up on that. And eventually you either cultivate that audience that wants to be negative all the time. Or you lose a lot of people because they're just like, man, this isn't the fun thing I want to be here for. And then they just quit watching. Like, I know I don't watch a lot of people that are negative. I just don't because I'm not getting anything from it. Hell, there's one, I guess I could say, people will know if they know, but there's a arena creator that has literally just insulted his audience and refers as his female viewers as the 2.1% or whatever. You know, it's just like that doesn't, It just, uh, it's just rough, feels. It feels gross. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like it's just not my jam, but if it works for some people and they'll get their views and that's cool. But I've also seen their view numbers come way down post pandemic. Yeah. Similar to my numbers and their channels way bigger than mine is, you know? So, eh.
0: <laughs> like, yeah. 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 For sure. Well, let's talk about something that is my jam as uh, your podcast. Color of magic. Sure. Um, it has been, oh gosh, I think I just, uh, you just kind of hit over 200 episodes, which is pretty yeah, impressive. Yeah, we're in episode
1: that's, 211 as of this recording, I believe.
0: 211, yeah, which is uh, you know, phenomenal uh, just to think about that. You know, think about just doing something over 200 times is, I'm like, that's an, you know, for me, I'm like, man, hitting 50 episodes would be an accomplishment here, but thinking about two over 200, like, that's, that's, that is wild. Um and uh yeah, you know, it's it's a magic podcast, but it's not just a magic podcast. Um I know you yeah. touch on a lot of different sort of issues. So the way we uh, describe
1: it is we talk about serious issues for magic and gaming that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers.
0: Exactly. Yes, that is <laughs> uh definitely a uh, I think a little more unique space in the magic uh, podcast world, which is great. I think it's a fantastic podcast. So um, just want to kind of to talk about, talk about a little bit and what was, I guess the inspiration for uh, starting, you know, a relatively uh, not magic, not a super magic key magic podcast, I guess, you know, it was a
1: interesting thing because again, I'm always thinking about stuff constantly, right? Yeah. I don't have an off switch, you know, yeah. I, I jokingly tell people like the best and worst thing for me ever was getting a tankless water heater. Cause the shower is like my think tank. So (laughs) like I can just be in the shower forever now and not run out of hot water. And I have so many great ideas out of there. And you know, one of them was why don't we talk about more of the serious things in a serious way? You know, not, Hey, this thing happened and let's just blow it up and have these long string of disconnected conversations on social media. It's like, okay, no, let's really, if there's an issue, let's have people from those spaces say their piece and explain why it's a thing or whatever. And that kind of sparked the idea for the show. And in the beginning, it took us a little while to kind of find our rhythm and like how we're going to navigate it because it was also important that I chose the right co-host yeah. because it had to be somebody else that I knew was going to be able to take a lot of heat because we're going to, and not that we say anything that's terrible, but because of the subject matter, there's always going to be somebody that disagrees. Yeah. And somebody's going to be mad. We're even talking about it. Right. Yep. Like, I mean, you know, us even being supportive of uh, a transgender person, got us some negative emails or whatever. And it's just like, okay, that's just going to be a thing. You know, yeah. people sending messages on our streams or whatever. But my co-host, Brian, has actually been a n- newspaper reporter. You know, he's oh, well. he's right. been a stand-up comedian. Like, so I already knew. I'm like, yeah, you've you've taken some tomatoes to the face, right? You're good, <laughs> right? Like, you you can handle this. But we had a lot of conversations about, okay, how are we going to handle it? Are we okay talking about certain things or not? And how far are we willing to talk about certain things? Because even while we support some issues, if we don't represent those communities, we can't talk about them wholly, you know? Yep. And and that was a big impetus for the show. And then as we kind of got rolling, just weirdly coincidentally, the stuff with George Floyd and all that had happened, mm-hmm. right? That was like June, 2020, I think it was, somewhere around there. Yeah. And there was a weird situation that happened because we already knew at some point we have to address this on the show and how it's affecting people or whatever. Cause it, I think the other thing too, is people don't realize how some of these social issues affect gaming, you know? And especially yeah. when we're talking about people in those communities where things are happening, you know, what's going on. But I had a situation where I was thinking about, as I saw the news escalate and everything else, like how do we get to this situation where, People are having these type of racial issues or whatever. And I was, and again, being in the think tank one day, yeah. <laughs> I had the thought of maybe it's that most people don't grow up with a black person in a position of authority. Mm. So yeah. how do I pose this question without, like, s- causing fires? Right. Like, that's <laughs> the biggest thing. Yeah. So I decided, OK, I'm going to ask people, when did you have your first black teacher? Because that's usually the first person or group of people we as children accept as people of authority outside of our households. Right. It's the teachers. Yep. So I posed this question on on Twitter, posted it on Facebook, and I went to play. Actually, I think it was like the first Arena Open we did, right? So I'm playing that. Fortunately, did well, won some money. That was awesome.
2: There you go. But
1: then when I'm done, I realize my notifications on my phone are maxed out. And I'm like, well, that's weird. So then I go to Twitter, and you see the thing on Twitter you do not want to see is that Trending personalities over on the side, and your name's
2: there? Oh, boy.
1: Yeah, I'm like, oh, God, what (laughs) happened?
2: What have I done? (laughs) Yeah, I
1: literally did not want to click on anything. I'm like, oh, my goodness. you know. So now I'm like, okay, just getting myself together because I'm like, (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to see, but I have to be prepared for whatever, and I might be here a while. Yeah. But then that post alone just on Twitter at that point had over 40,000 engagements on it. Oh, wow. And that was like three hours I was away. So I'm like, Oh God, this is crazy. Right. So I'm going through the messages and it's like different celebrities, like Chelsea Clinton had responded to the thing, oh, like wow. some news reporters, like a newspaper from Ontario wanted to use it to run something or whatever. Like, and then over the next week it was on like, uh, one of the, uh, ESPN shows was talking about it. One of the other comedians I follow has a podcast. They were talking about, it. I'm like, what even is this right now? You know? Yeah. So I used that and I cultivated that information as a talking point of just like, so people could use it for their stuff. Cause it obviously I I touched a nerve and you know, so I put together some documents showing like, Hey, this number of people had had a black teacher or never did. And some not till grad school or whatever. But then that kind of rolled into our content. Cause it was kind of like social consciousness sort of thing or whatever. And I think that was like episode 32 or 35 somewhere around then at the time and it just took off from there for a bit it was just like got people to pay attention and i was also aware that because of things going on socially there were people looking for black voices in their spaces right yeah. so again we knew the number wasn't going to stay there because like all things in the news once like the excitement's over it's going to dip back down yeah. but it's like hey can we even be 10 percent up from where we were when this is all said and done you know, and understanding that. So it was just like even leaning into that helped a lot. But yeah, it was, that was a crazy time. I I literally, I think for my results, I think I stopped at like 5,000 responses or something. Okay. Like I was up literally almost all night. Like, yeah. and at some point I went, okay, I'm not going to get through because it just kept adding on. I think yeah. even today I still see people respond to it and it has like 70 some thousand responses. Like Jeez. there's, there's no way I would even read every single one of those. But it, it was cool because I'm glad it happened because I can help people navigate a viral situation now. Yeah. But it also showed me that sometimes the thing you try to plan to go viral isn't the thing that's going to resonate with people. You know, this was yeah. just right place, right time. You know, and, and it took off.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's that's actually such a great question. Like, I'm gonna, I'm thinking about it now, and I'm like, gosh, when did I have? I I have to sit. You know, I haven't been, I've been out of school for a while now, but I, I would have to sit back and really think about. Did I ever have a black teacher? When was my first black teacher? And, you know, to your point, you know, in gaming spaces, especially, I think a lot of times there's a lot of weird social dynamics that a lot of people don't realize are happening behind the scenes. And what I like what you do with the podcast is kind of being a uh, inflection point of like being able to kind of raise these issues because it affects, I think, a lot of people in ways that like, I don't have to deal with right as as a sure um, you know middle class white guy like there's just stuff like i would never have to have conceptually t- thought about um and i think having the leading towards the voices in those communities to kind of to, to approach those questions and ask the and asking the hard questions it's important to ask the hard questions um because i think that's we've gotten away from uh, discourse uh in a lot of ways to kind of like get to the point where we can kind of see the actual root of root of like, what's yeah, going on. And
1: I think there's something to that, right? The same way that without me asking women, I'm not going to know all the issues that affect women on a daily basis Yeah. or transgender people or certain health professionals or whatever. Right. Like yep. if you don't know people in those spaces, how are you going to speak confidently on those things without them clarifying a lot of stuff for you? Yes. You know, and even for me, I mean, I grew up, In the South, in Texas, I had a business in Texas. So, I mean, is what it is. I mean, all the stereotypes are true. (laughs) Yeah. You know, but so you kind of learn to live with it and you sort of ignore some things because, like, you can't worry about it every single day. You'll never get anything done. But I think I've told this story before a couple of times. But when I went to one of the first gaming conventions or business gaming conventions I went to, which was the Gamma Trade Show. Back in, oh gosh, I don't know, this might have been it was way early 2000s, like maybe 01, 02, something like that. I remember walking around, and I'm one of the few black business owners at the time in the gaming space. Mm-hmm. And realizing that it was so uncommon that everybody talking to each other was kind of like, oh, do you have a business card? What's your store? Blah, 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 whatever. And multiple people asked me, oh, who do you work for? You know, and I don't think they were being rude. It was just yeah. like they didn't even think about it. Right. And even some of those people I still talk to today and they're good people. You know, it's just it was so uncommon. I don't think they even thought about it being a thing when they said it. Yeah. But it was enough that I went, OK, well, this is just going to be something that I'll I'll have to work to change because, I you know, I'm going to have to be loud and obvious. You know, and I'm like, oh, no, I own a store. But, and, you know, they were usually like apologetic. But it was just like, yeah. I immediately understood what the landscape was, right? It took me about 30 minutes and it was like, okay, this is the way things are. Yeah. So, you know, and over time it's become better and you just learn to change things and just be a positive voice. So when people do show up, they want to have somebody they can look toward if they look like you or they have your background or whatever. The other half is if people ever questioned it, there's somebody positive they can point to.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I talk, you know, I talk about it from a gaming aspect, but it really, you know, representation really does matter right being a black business owner in texas like that's could be you know a pivot point for someone like oh like i could own i can do this i could run a business like you know look at look at power dragon right He's done it like why can't i do that and we look about they think about like gaming spaces a lot and how easy it is to gatekeep gaming spaces for people um but that's why it's important to kind of let these uh um, other other uh, people kind of express their opinions and kind of let you know like what they face and like oh like stuff they've never thought about before so it's um, yeah I think it's I mean that's the kind of stuff that's important that, that needs to be approached and needs to be addressed um, and we need to like, kind of listen to you know when people tell us like hey these are the problems that I see you know Take it to, take it to, take it to heart and make steps to kind of make it more engaging and more open for people to to you know to play to play magic. Yeah,
1: I'll also say it. though, there is something to be said that's difficult, but it's mm-hmm. also understanding how to communicate your problem. You know, because yes, it's very easy. You know, me and Brian are a show, we could just go, Ah, Wizards did this thing or, you know, I don't know, Riot did this thing, and we can just be super mad about it. And it's like, yeah. okay, let's make sure we're clear about what the problem is. You know, or why this affected people, or whatever, right? And let's deep dive into that. And that's one of the things we focused on on the show is that, hey, let's go into the issue a little bit other than just we're mad about a thing, right? When people walk away, it's okay if they know you're mad, but they should know clearly why you're mad and come with suggestions on how to fix it because that's always a problem in life. I think even in people's workplace or whatever if you're just mad about a thing, it's like, okay, cool. But what's the solution? I'm like, I don't know. Just fix it. And it's like, well, this is how we know how to do things. Like, you know, like if you don't say what the better way is, okay, maybe they're going to do something, but that might also upset you, you know? And it's hard because it does take a lot of energy and a lot of thought and you know, it's not easy, you know, but you kind of have to have somebody doing that to help move things forward.
0: Yeah, it's definitely you know it's definitely a lot of it's a lot of mental load. It's a lot of emotional labor, um, but being able to articulate an issue and kind of present reasonable solutions, uh, or maybe not, maybe unreasonable sometimes. I don't know, depending sure. on what the problem <laughs> is. Uh, it's that's you know I think that's why having um, you know leaders in, in, in communities to kind of be able to to take that on is important. I think that's you know again I think that's why your podcast has been so interesting to listen to because it tackles a lot of issues that you know. So and so commander gameplay channel is not gonna not gonna bring up George. Floyd, yeah, right? you know, and, and we
1: we do get a lot of early on, especially we get a lot of comments about people saying like, I don't know if I'm your target audience, mm-hmm. but I'm thankful that somebody's communicating this stuff. Yeah, right. And and the reality is there isn't particularly a target audience, right? I think yeah. a lot of people assume like, oh, it's two black guys doing a show. It's you know, it's for non-whites or whatever. But it's like, <laughs> no, it's it's just talking about issues on a very serious level that a lot of people are not going and for a lot of reasons people don't want the negativity they don't want the backlash they're they're afraid it's going to tarnish their brand or whatever it is right there's a lot of reasons people don't want to take that chance yeah we were willing to so we're just going with it
0: yes no it's it's i again i'm a big fan it's 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 a great listen and it's funny it's entertaining i mean i know you know kind of heavy topics right there but like you know you guys talk about video games you talk about wrestling i know wrestling is a it's, oh it's
1: i'm like, pretty right. sure i opened the show this week complaining about corn mazes so
0: like <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's you know it's not just some like let's you know let's get serious and talk about no no it's 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 definitely definitely worth uh, worth a listen just Yeah for, and that's for,
1: important to us too right we want to also establish that like hey while we're talking about these serious issues or while we're talking about gaming like we are still normal people right we're not here yes trying to push a certain side of an issue or not. This isn't political, though sometimes some things just fall into a political space. Yeah. Right. This is still two dudes that are on here that are real people with families and everything else just talking about the issues.
0: Yes, exactly. Um it's uh it's good. Listen to it. Listen to the podcast. If you uh, listen to it if you get a chance. And if you don't get a chance, make time for it. It's very it's very entertaining. So um so I, there's one there's one other thing I, I I feel like I have to bring up because I sure. for a lot of people it's it may be how they they know you is uh, aside from everything else you do uh, you're on the commander advisory group which is the advisory group to the rules committee of the we're commander. The, we're the format. secret commander cabal. Yes, yeah, secret commander cabal. <laughs> yes, uh, you're the guy. You know. Shivan gets there and he's like, I don't, I'm going to keep it I'm going to ban Golos. This is in this, you know, Yeah, exactly, the, exactly. The, so um, can you just kind of uh, explain what, what the CAG does and what your experience yeah. has been like for, so, uh,
2: yeah.
1: I would say first off, most people don't know us for that. And that's good. Like I'd rather yeah. people just not know, right. It's not important. It's not going to affect you whether you know who's on that panel or not. Like I've seen some people try to make issues out of, well, this group should have more representation and this and that. And like I, I get it. But that's not a place where, for me anyway, that's not a place where somebody's background is going to affect the outcome very much. Now, we are talking about trying to have more members on different continents. Yeah. And that, to me, makes more sense because the game is played differently in different places, right? The yeah. Financial status of the community is different in different places, right? So that has more impact, I believe, when you're talking about like culturally by country, yeah. more than just the background of somebody on the committee. So that's kind of, and that's a personal view. I don't know who else shares that. You know, I'll let them say it if if they do. Yeah. But generally speaking, it's not what people think. We don't sit around trying to think about all the things to ban and unban. To be honest, we'd rather not ban and unban a bunch of stuff.
2: Yeah.
1: But within the group everybody has different expertise you know like i pretty much don't participate in on any serious level on a lot of conversations about competitive commander
2: mm.
1: i don't play it at all not, not that i have a problem with it it just doesn't fit my play style for me 100 card magic is my super casual fun time yeah. i make all this other content and do other stuff in 60 card i play f i do whatever like i don't want to do that when i go play casually with people <laughs> so yeah. yeah for me everything is about Casual perspective, and that's what I'm there for, right? I also talk with retailers, so I kind of know what's going on, what's doing well for people, what the environments are like when I go visit stores. Like That's my expertise. That's what I bring to it, right? Other people are going to be, hey, this is what streamers are talking about. Hey, this is what high-level players are talking about. And we do have those deep conversations sometimes. Like, hey, uh, I'm trying to think about a card that was a problem. But let's say they're a problematic card. There's some command fest coming up. We're all going to be going to different ones Let's go check it out. Let's play some games, take some notes, let's talk to some people, and then we'll come back and we'll discuss what we saw or heard or whatever. And yeah. even again, while people on Twitter might be going, this card's the worst thing ever, I need to get rid of it. And between all of us, we're like, I don't know, we saw it played like five times between everybody over like five different cities. You know, yeah. just like, eh, it's not really that big of a problem. We're not going to worry about it. Yeah. Right. So sometimes it's just that simple, right? We're not sitting around worrying about that. But we do as a group, sometimes make suggestions to wizards right if we see a certain mechanic or something like hey can we not put this in commander decks as much because this is kind of a problem or yeah. this creates a negative play experience you know that sort of thing now they're not beholden to do anything we say you know one way or the other yeah. they're still the arbiters of the product and yeah you know but they do take a lot of that under advisement well
0: that's cool and yeah you know it's it's, I feel like anytime there's like a there's a group right it's, it's kind of like with the ambassador program it's it's really easy for everyone just to kind of pile on and be like why are you banning my gold tech? why did you ban breaker? why is coalition victory banned that's a silly it's so hard to do all this other kind of silly stuff and you know it's there's so much there's so many times I think where people get their own ideas like their ideas like oh I think this so everyone must think like this yeah. You know, or even, you know, magic players are infamously bad at evaluating how a card is going to affect the format a lot of times. Right. How many times have, have they previewed a card and everyone's like, oh, well, this has got to be this has got to be a uh, band day zero. Like this can't hit the format. And then it's like no one, no one. even. Oh, a good example
1: it. is uh, Mother of Machines. Right. Yeah. Everybody. Oh, I got so many messages on Twitter and whatever. <laughs> People are like, what are you all going to do about this card? And I'm like, I don't know. Probably nothing. I don't know. Yeah. They're like, What do you mean nothing? Like this card lets this double up and does this thing. I'm like, OK, but it's also a five mana creature with no protections or anything. Like, I, yep. it's probably fine. Literally, since that card's come out, I've seen it in play in a commander game three times. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, it's yeah. like <laughs> And, and that's just the way it is sometimes. Like, yeah. it, you know, it, it's hard. And there's people still, every time they see us out and about, one of us is asked, to like, could you unban my favorite card or whatever? Right? <laughs> like, could you unban, I don't know, Primeval Titan or something? And we're like, no, we're not going to unban Primeval Titan right now. Like, you know how crazy that card would be? Yeah. You know, but I get it. Like, people have their wants. They they feel like whatever you're doing is holding them down or whatever. Like, people always want to review the ban. list, like, why can't we unban this card? And I'm like is it really going to do anything if we unban it that's positive? Like, well, it's not going to do anything negative. I'm like, yeah, but if it doesn't either, then why even take it out? Just leave it there where it's safe. You know, like, that's my perspective. Hell, And I tell people all the time, not even jokingly, if I had my choice, there would be like 50 more cards on the ban list. Like, (laughs) I'm not going to list the cards, because I know that starts a whole other conversation. Oh, yeah, no, don't do that. That'd
0: be, (laughs) you'd be in in tweets and emails. But
1: (laughs) when I say that as well, it doesn't mean that Magically cards are going to show up on the ban list. Each of us probably has cards we don't like. in in the commander advisory group, that doesn't mean they're going to get banned. Like they are personal things that I see that don't make positive play experiences, but they're not necessarily bad enough that they need to be on the ban list. And that's the other thing too. Nobody's opinions are significantly overriding somebody else's opinions in the group. So we still are individuals. We like and dislike different things and we will post that. And that doesn't mean something's gonna change tomorrow. I mean, I've literally seen people go like, "Oh, I saw Shivam said whatever. I saw Power Dragon was talking about this. That must be this thing's coming to the or change is coming to the ban list." It's like, no, that's not. <laughs> literally, I'm just telling you, I don't like a card. Like, I like what's wrong with you people, you know? So yeah, it's the, yeah, it's well, not like that at all.
0: The I think the most impressive talent all you have is your resilience to fend off Twitter trolls. Really, is kind of just the amount of. Uh, Vitriol, they kind of they spew over silly. Let me tell you,
1: like I have literally had people, and this is in real life, not not necessarily from Twitter, but you know, I've had people call me every expletive, racial slur. Some I didn't even know what they were. I had to look (laughs) them up, you know, because they were so old school. I've had people threaten me at my business. People accuse me of doing things with my business, whatever. Right, so at some point you kind of go, yeah, all right, this isn't even as bad as what's happened before. You know, <laughs> like, <so> like, <laughs> like, this is fine, right? I've, I've dealt with every level of racist and, you know, conspiracy theorists and whatever. It's like, it's fine. Like, I'm not going to get upset for somebody feeling a certain way over a card. Because the reality is, people also have to understand that we're seeing a lot as a group outside of even our home play areas, right? We're all traveling to conventions constantly and magic cons and command fest and visiting local stores. And like, so we're, we have a huge data pool when we're talking about stuff and any decision we'll make, we have to take into account the very basic, just buying a commander deck player all the way to the CD EDH player. Right. And it's tough, not a decision that we're mostly making because of the super competitive players might be taking a card away from the casual players. Yeah. You know, like and it's just like, uh, it sucks, but if you want people to have that core set of rules that when they go to an event, they know what to expect. Right? If you sit down, they're not going to play against Iona or something, and then their deck just doesn't work because they played a monocolor deck. Right? Yeah. So it's that level of thing you have to think about. Is that it isn't about even some level of certain things being better or worse than others. Sometimes it's just the play experience to be on the same level playing field and people understand what they're getting into.
0: Yeah. Yeah, It's just, you know, Magic players are passionate about their game and their pet cards. And, you know, they run more interaction. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But, uh, yeah, so it's the, the, the... Like you said, there's a spectrum. It's not just, like, one group. It's literally, hey, I bought the Lord of the Rings Commander deck, and you have your high-powered whatever deck. Like you have to, there's, there's a, it's a fine balance, because it's, you know, between, you know, casual pre-cons and Cedh, like it's, that's a broad spectrum. Yeah, it's of a, a huge format, valley, right? And mm-hmm. like the, the fact that it's the, the, the format runs as well as it does, I, I would say is, is an impressive feat. You know, that's, it's, it's almost wild. You know.
1: Well, that's some of the conversation too. Is like. Even if we see complaints, it's like, do any of us view this as being a problem in the format right now, right? Is the format healthy? And sometimes we have those. We just kind of post like, hey, just update. How are you feeling? And everybody's like, I don't know. Seems good. Everybody had fun last weekend. I saw these cool things. Like, all right, cool. Yep. And then we don't talk about anything else for the week, you know, right? It's yeah,
0: <laughs> no. Which, I mean, I think that's probably what you want to hear, right? You want to yeah. hear that the these, these groups are, everything seems, everyone's, you know, haven't heard a whole lot. Everyone had fun. No notes, right? If it was, like, every week you were, okay, we have to talk about this, and then what about this? That, I think, would be indicative of, like, a, a problem with the format or a problem with something. But if, you know, if you're cruising, you're going along, and there's really no need, like, why rock the boat, right? To your point, if it doesn't, you know, if it could be unbanned, but it could be banned, like, why, why rock the boat? Why,
1: yeah. you know? I also want to say, this isn't something we magically get paid for. Like, this is strictly oh, yeah. voluntary. Like, this yeah. isn't, like... Wizards is giving us a kickback or something because they sold a bunch of Commander decks. Like, yeah, like this is literally voluntary. We do this on our own time. You know, occasionally we might get invited to a thing or something because we're on the Commander Advisor group, but generally speaking, it's just a free gig. You know, we're we're just doing it to help the community and just keep things positive.
0: Yeah, it is not. Yeah, the, this the 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 CAG is not a paid position. It is. Uh... It's a volunteer positional, and it's a more hat, hats off to you guys for uh gals yeah, and everyone to put yourself out there because that is uh, I could do it, I'd I'd be crying. I'm like, I don't know, okay, let me talk to somebody. I'll unbanned, I, I don't know. It's like that is a, a wild time, so um, well, Power Dragon, I want to thank you so much for your time. This has been an incredible conversation. Uh, I've learned so much from you, and just the past oh, gosh, almost two hours. Uh, I uh Wanted to kind of wrap things up. So uh, first thing is uh, all my guests to come on. They pick a charity, and I like to do a donation in their name, just as a little thing for coming on. Uh, you chose uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters, so the uh, Show and Tell Show will be making a donation to them. Um, it's just like a you know good thing to do, I like sure. to kind of give back where we can. Um, also, uh, what I'm going to do right now through the power of video editing is pop up my community board. I'm just going like this, guy. and it'll pop up it. and um, I I like to talk a lot about community and be able to support my guests even after the show's sort of over. So what I'm going to do is uh, subscribe to your YouTube channel. So uh, that way I can kind of continue to support you into the future sure. as you continue to make videos and all that kind of good stuff. I'm kind of excited. I've actually never subscribed to a YouTube channel before. I didn't really realize that was a thing. Is that a? Here's a question. Is that a newer thing? Have you? Is the YouTube subscription thing newish or newer? Or have I just? Not uh, you're noticed? talking about memberships. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah.
1: What... yeah. Uh, memberships are effectively like, I guess you would call subs on Twitch.
0: Okay. You know? Yeah.
1: And the difference, actually, I guess, they are closer to Patreon subscriptions because. Each one has different things that you get as part of it. Like on mine, at like the base level, I have questionnaires I send out periodically or whatever. They go just to my members, right? And as you go up, I'll do videos once or twice a month. that go just to members. And then I have a thing where if you want to get specialized deck help or whatever, I have a special thing set up just for my top tier members to go straight to my email or whatever, right? So yeah. every, everybody has different things, different reward tiers. But it's another way that if you follow somebody mostly on YouTube, because a lot of people don't use Patreon, they don't use Twitch, Like it's another way that YouTube's made available to support creators. And it's only really about, I think a year and a half old, maybe it's under two years, I think for a lot of people. So still fairly new.
0: Very cool. Um, well, yeah, so that's again, just one small way I can kind of continue to support you and all that you do, um, in your endeavors. Um, even after we kind of finish up here, uh, yeah, I will link all of your, uh, you know, YouTube, Twitter, all that kind of good stuff below. Um, and, yeah, I just want to thank you for coming on. I hope you had a time. I had a great time talking with you. And um, if you're watching along at home and you like this kind of stuff, feel free to hit that, the subscribe button here. That's always a fun thing. I'm really bad at the do all the things. Nah, you're fine Like because yeah. I can
1: talk forever. So, I mean, if people enjoyed it, I have tons of other places you can catch me where I talk all the time. <laughs> if I'm yeah. not doing commentary, I've got my podcast, Color of Magic. I'm also doing Magic Mics now. You can catch us live and you can download that everywhere. And I put up YouTube videos literally every single day. I've been putting up videos for three and a half years now consecutively, so there's content out there if you want to catch it. But yeah, literally every day. Channel, this channel, yeah. <laughs> go ahead and hit that subscribe button, like the video because that helps a lot, you know. And you know, tell people about Show and Tell. Let them get Good. some bigger guests.
0: There we go. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna clip that. I'm just gonna slap the, every video I do from now on. i just, just gonna be your face and like <laughs> make make it easy on me. So um, again, uh, thank you so much for coming on, uh, everyone. Check out Power Dragon, and uh, we'll see you next time.